Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to the Fourth Love of Sports podcast. My name is Ian Vissera, and I'm your host, and we are joined today by Javik Blake. For those of you who don't know, Javik is a student over at Elon University. He does a great job there, does a lot of color commentary, play-by-play, Elon baseball, Elon basketball, does a great job there, formerly worked in the Cape Cod League with me. Back when I knew him, Javik was just in high school. He was doing some camera work down there for the Gateman, worked his way up and did a little bit of play-by-play for the Gateman as well, did some producing, kind of the jack-of-all-trades for the Gateman. And Javik just had himself a very successful freshman year at Elon University. Javik is now a sophomore, but after his freshman year at Elon, Javik applied for the Jim Nance Award, which is go, which is run by STAA, Sports Talent Agency of America, and it goes out to the top 20 collegiate broadcasters in the country for play-by-play um, in college sports. And Javik was fortunate enough to place at a very high and well-deserving rank of number 10 in the country, the highest rank ever for a freshman. So kudos to Javik on that. He's in his sophomore year now, and it's certainly a little bit different than kind of the beginning of that freshman year, but Javik's working his way on up. And certainly um, one word to describe Javik would be young, and that's sort of just kind of been his MO, I think, probably his whole life in terms of you know being that highly placed on that award as a freshman. Back when he was in high school, we'll get into this a little bit later on, but he started his own sports network and did some broadcasting as a high schooler, even had a Boston Globe article written about him, uh, even called an inning for the Paw Sox as well. So we'll touch upon all of that in terms of everything Javik has done so far. But young, talented, I think those are the two words to describe Javik Blake. And at long last, Javik, here you are. We're glad to have you on. How's it going? Well, thank you so much, first off. And you just read off all that stuff. And it's it's... It even surprises me at points that I, that all this has happened and I'm just, you know, not even 20 years old. It's nuts to think about that all that's happened. And it's a little bit different from the days when, you know, we were with the game and I was just a junior in high school and I was really the baby of the entire broadcasting. We had a bunch of people in college. You were there. Um, Enrique Amor did some games with the Chicago Dogs. The American Association was there as well. J.D. Rauchy was the voice of the Auburn Double Days um, a couple of years ago. But you know, it's 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 been a little different. It's been a you know different last couple of years since since there. But it was such a great starting point with you guys and the Gateman. And you know, I I'll always remember the days of when we were in the booth with Spencer Torkelson hitting massive home runs, Austin Shenton the six hundred he hit in the postseason that year. You know, those are memories you'll never forget. It's such a great time. You know, being on the Cape, meeting you guys, and you know, you had to work through my non-existent agent to get this interview. I know it was a lot of work, <laughs> but you know, so happy to be on, so happy to to be a part of an esteemed guest list. And as you can tell just by listening to Javik in these first couple of minutes you can tell he has the broadcaster voice he has that big booming you know it comes out of him he's not the biggest guy in the world but he certainly gets it done and those those pipes get the job done for sure they're definitely d1 pipes no doubt about it so Javik I'm excited to get into this interview Are you ready to go I, I, my, apparently my big booming voice is, is uh, very excited as well let's do it and some going along going off those lines you know going off of that now something that I wanted to kind of mention was what I really like, again, about your voice, your style, your cadence, all that you do in terms of, you know, commanding a broadcast, because I think commanding is really like the verb that I like to go for for you, because I think that's sort of the presence that you have. And I think there's a fine line between, you know, making people know that you're, I guess, a professional broadcaster or, you know, something all along those lines of the sorts where it's like they know you're not just some random person coming in off the streets, you know, doing a broadcast. And I think you do a good job of that. But also... You do sound like someone who's just coming in off the streets doing a broadcast. I think you have that good, friendly style to you know, your voice, to your speaking abilities, to your ability to call a game. And I think that's what people want to hear. And I think sometimes you can 
or people can get like wrapped up in a, oh, this guy doesn't sound like a broadcaster. He doesn't sound like a sports commentator, something like that. If they don't have, you know, that stereotypical big booming voice, if they're not, whatever else, if they don't meet criteria X, Y, and Z. But I think you do a great job of blending that style to where you certainly feel like, you know, all right, this guy has that voice and that cadence and that style for, you know, division one college sports, you know, for major league sports as well. But you also have that ability to where it's like, you're just listening to one of your buddies talk about the game in the backyard. And I think that's something that you do a really great job of. Yeah, definitely. There, there is really an art to it. I think one of the big things about it is, is you always need to remember, it's not just you and your analyst. It's you, your analyst, and your listener. It's a three-person broadcast. And the third party is always silent. So I think the big thing, it also comes with comfortability as well. Heck, I've done countless numbers of broadcasts. I think I'm up to, you know, 160, 170 plus now. And I have done so many games to the point where, you know, I'm comfortable with being on air. I'm comfortable with my voice. I'm comfortable with sort of commanding, as you say, because you basically are. You're like a catcher. You're like a quarterback. You know, you are commanding the entirety of the broadcast, and especially on radio, which is probably my most favorite medium to call a game on just because of the amount of creativity you have. But the big thing on any broadcast is always inviting in the listener. You know, let them let them sort of soak up the atmosphere. You know, whether you're on radio is, is getting that little extra pause that you need to, to let the background noise fill out. Or if you're doing a basketball game, hear the, hear the shoes squeak on the floor to the basketball dribble. You know, sort of that cadence of in and out, sort of like a rocking chair almost. Or if it's baseball, just sort of leaning back and letting the listener take in the sounds and whatnot. You know, it's sort of, it's sort of a fine line between, you know, interjecting at the right points. I think that's a real big point because you obviously have to call everything, but knowing when to lay off the gas. I think that's one of the biggest things of, of helping to invite in the listener um, because it's almost like that three-person broadcast where you have you, your analysts, and the listener, and your listener needs to be sort of immersed in the same atmosphere because you want to almost, especially on radio, and I think this is one of the biggest things here, is painting the picture in the listener's head. And that's sort of how you get that, that sort of friendly tone. And it's not like you talk down to them. You're almost leading them in a way. It's a weird way to say it, but like you're leading them across, like you're reading them a story almost. I think that's a better way to put it. You're reading them a story of the game. It's, it's like, you know, say you're a kindergarten teacher, you're sitting down in class and, and you're reading your, your kid's book. You know, it's sort of like that where you're leading them through the game. And I think if you do that and you remind yourself that, you know, the listener is there, they're cognizant, you want to create the best atmosphere for them. I think that really comes out as coming off with, as you said, sort of that friendly voice. Because I grew up on John Sterling and that is maybe one of the most friendly voices in baseball. You know, it's almost like they're inviting, you know, him and Susan Waltman are inviting you in, in the 790 or it was 790 AM out of Providence. We listen to it now. It's WFAN out of New York, but you know, it's sort of like they're inviting you inside the booth. And, you know, if you don't talk down to your listeners, if you sort of paint the picture for them, help them understand things that, you know, might be a little more advanced to the average listener, like we're talking about baseball and I bring up say OPS plus or war or spin rate, you know, more of these advanced stats, helping them learn and understand, I think is such a big thing because it does help create sort of that friendly voice. And I think that's the best part about broadcasting for a team is you get to create those connections because if you're creating the connections between the team and the fan and you're the middle ground, I think that's, you know, the perfect pairing and the perfect way to sort of look at it. For sure. And for those who don't know, um, based off what Javik just said, he's a Yankee fan. It's okay. We won't hold it against him. We'll move on. Maybe we'll touch on that later, but you know, we won't hold it against you for now as we continue to conduct the rest of this interview. But Javik, <laughs> One thing that I wanted to bring up from there was so you were just talking about um, 
you know, listening to games on radio versus on TV or announcing them on radio versus, you know, for TV, um, you know, for like a stream or something like that. So what is the difference kind of for you in terms of like doing that, you know, knowing whether you have, you know, picture behind you and having that video added to it versus, you know, just calling for radio. You said you prefer radio, um, but just when you're going about that as a broadcaster, what are some of the different things that you like to do? Some of the things that you've picked up on that you need to do? Um, Because obviously for someone who might not, you know, necessarily know too much about the field, you might think, oh, it's what's the difference, you know, between radio and TV, you know, all that is kind of all just sort of the same. It's just calling a game. But like you were saying, you know, there's an art to it. You know, there's a certain style that you have to use for radio versus TV and things like that. So just sort of what are the things that you do when you're on those different mediums to try and get the best out of yourself? Because obviously, Javik Blake, the radio broadcaster is a lot different than Javik Blake, the TV broadcaster, and maybe not totally different, but you have to be different for each medium, I assume, right? The TV broadcaster's radio version with less words. So the way to put about it, and we'll start with radio first because radio creates the basis for TV. It's much easier to go from radio to TV than TV to radio. So as you know, radio play-by-play broadcast, we'll use baseball for the example here. You're like an artist. You have a blank canvas and you have a paintbrush and you need to paint the picture of what's happening. You need to tell the listener that, okay, the infield shifted over shift to the right side with three infielders on the right side and the third baseman's playing, you know, in the right field hole and they leave the shortstop for the left side of the infield. Or, you know, there's a fly ball to the right field. Well, on TV, you might just say pop up to right. But on radio, you need to say, swing and a pop-up to right. Johnson moves over three feet to the left, settles under it, makes the catch for the first out of the game. you got to add that little more sort of description behind it because you have to remember that you're painting basically the picture of the game. You're painting the television screen into the listener's mind. So it's almost like reading a book where, you know, you watch a movie and it's playing out in front of you. But on radio, you're reading that book and you're, you're creating that sort of picture in the viewers, uh, in the listener's mind, which is one of the most important things. And, and that's really the big difference when it comes down to it. You know, obviously on the production side of things, TV is more of a team broadcast. You know, you have your analysts and you two are on air, but then you have producers, directors, replay operators, cameramen, you know, you have replay on TV. And in radio, most of the times it's just you, your broadcast partner, maybe someone back in studio, and you could just be running the entire game off your laptop. You know, it's too you know, it, it's a little more individualized in, in, you know, it's a little more focused on the broadcast team. But, you know, what I like about radio is the fact that you just get the ability to paint whatever picture you want. You know, you're in control. And I think that's one of the coolest things, especially as someone who grew up with the game of baseball and, and you know, love baseball more than most things in the world. Um, to be able to, you know, have that picture painted for you is unbelievable. It's just so much fun because it's a challenge. It really is a challenge of trying to figure out how to paint that picture and what adjectives to use, how to describe this. Because you can't, you know, describe a guy's stances one way when, you know, you can't describe two stances the same way because most of the time they're, they're a little different. So, you know, even in basketball, you know, where they are on the court, you know, what kind of jump shot was it? Well, you can just say jump shot on TV. But you need to say where the jump shot was from, who's getting the rebound, who's getting it down, all that sort of stuff. So it just presents more of a challenge. TV is basically like adding captions almost, where radio is you're, you're painting the picture. I think that's the best way to put it. The big thing about, you know, during the game, it's a lot of prep. And one of my big things is always hashtag prep your butt off. Um, it is... There is so much that goes into a back because most people when they watch a broadcast, they'll see what's on screen and that's it. Or they'll see what they're listening to what's on the radio and that's it. 
But I don't think, you know, one thing that, that a lot of people don't realize is how much work goes into the back end. So it's about finding those like fun and cool stats. It's just about being curious half the time, like half this stuff. I'm like, oh, well, this is weird. What is the backstory on this? And I go down a rabbit hole on Google and an hour later, I find the answer. But, you know, you have your, your big stories of players, your, your, you know, obviously the big things that'll show up on, on SportsCenter or whatnot or, or the number one line in their bio. But it's about finding, you know, the nitty gritty stuff about, about both teams looking at the statistics, looking at the numbers, looking at just fun stories and just talking to the players as well really helps create that whole broadcast that really makes it, you know, elevates to another level. Because, yes, the basics of a broadcast will have to be there. But to help elevate it to the next level, you need that little extra oomph. And that's outside of the gameplay. Like the adjectives and stuff can help elevate it. And that's all perfect. And that, you know, makes it great during the game. But those moments of stoppages or in baseball, you know, this time in between pitches, you got to give the opportunity to let some of the stories breathe and come to life. And it, it helps make, you know, a more engaging and interesting broadcast. When you're doing that prep, how much of that prep are you just doing to have it be second nature? So it's in your head versus when you're actually at the game, are you using, you know, your prep sheet, whatever sort of materials that you use to go in and call a game? How much of that is in your head versus how much of it are you actually, you know, looking down and reading and going through your notes to actually find, you know, on the spot during the game? So one of the big things I read, uh, I was either read or listened to my podcast a couple months ago. I forget what the podcast was exactly, but it was for basketball, have at least one little tidbit in mind for each player. Um, going into the game. And that's something I've, I've tried a lot. And obviously your big players, you'll know, you know, their big stories and their big storyline and stuff. And that's why I use, I use a ton of highlighters. Um, so like I have a six pack of six different colored highlighters and I use them for the entirety of my baseball scorebook and the entirety of my basketball spotting boards. All right, Javik. So we're looking at it right now. It's all your prep. It's all that hard work that goes into the game, sort of the game before the game. What are the colors? What are the numbers? What's everything that we're seeing right now on the screen? What we got here is, is my prep for a usual game. Um, so this on the left is my baseball scorebook. On the right is what I usually do for prep for a basketball game. Um, and it's all colors galore. I'm someone who is very, very visual. Um, and one of the big things with that is using highlighters to make everything pop out. So, you know, for baseball, in addition to my scorebook, I'll have another sheet with sort of any player notes, biographical information, what they've done in years past, any fun notes and tidbits I have on each player that is, you know, sort of an additional sheet. And then the book has basically everything, you know, it has all their big statistics, all the team statistics, um, all the notes on the players and, and the team as well. Um, the team notes are sort of the big thing um, that are sort of rewritten for every single game because things change on a day-to-day -day basis. And then for basketball, you know, it's all about what finding works, what works best for you. Um, you know, my baseball scorebook and how I've done it has changed countless amount of times. And the same thing with my basketball. Um, spotting charts. It's, it's changed a bunch as well. You know, I, these are new for this year. Um, you know, I found out I wanted things to work a little better visual wise for this year. And it's all about finding what works best for you. Cause I think most broadcasters that, you know, um, who, who do a really good job and ones that I aspire to do, we all sort of do the same amount of prep work and I aspire to do the same amount of prep work as the guys who do it professionally. Um, but it's just about figuring out how to put it all together in a way that works best for you. I think that's the best way to put it. And, you know, one of the biggest things that really helps elevate you as a broadcaster is finding that way to put the best put everything together. And let's just call it what it is. That's what helps get you a number 10 ranking in the STAA Jim Nance Award. So Javik, I mean, that's a great transition by me. That's basically a top 10 transition right there in and of itself. But this isn't about me. This is about you. So we'll continue along. I want to talk about um, this award. There's certainly a couple other things that I want to get to 
throughout the rest of this podcast as well. But right now, I want to talk about that Jim Nance Award, that top 10 finish. Um, can you just explain to everyone sort of what that award is, why it's so important to you to, you know, just be acknowledged in that and, you know, just sort of the competition that you're going up against and just what it felt like to get that recognition as a top 10, um, as a top 10, you know, winner in your first year. Well, first off, I wasn't expecting it at all. So the Jim Nance Award is given out by the Sportscasters Talent Agency of America. Um, John Chelesnick does it. Um, he's a wonderful dude, unbelievable human being, um, really nice guy. And, you know, they, they started this award, I want to say it was 10, 12 years ago now, um, as a way to sort of recognize collegiate broadcasters around the country. Um, and you send in a 20-minute demo reel um, with, you know, a mix of broadcasting um, of different sports and interviews and, every, you know, sort of sort of showcasing everything that you do um, as a college broadcaster. And this year, you know, I, it's always been, a, you know, a goal of mine to send stuff into them. Um, and this year I was like, you know, going into it, my thoughts were, all right, if I get, you know, an honorable mention, that's awesome. If I place, you know, if I get a number next to my name, unbelievable. If I get, I really didn't think about anything more than that. If I had a number attached to my name, it'd be unbelievable. I was like, all right, because they, they rank the top 20 and there's 10 to 15 honorable mentions. I was like, you know, if I'm recognized as top 35 in the country as a freshman, this is unbelievable. Um, and no freshman had ever placed higher than 14. So when they were reading the names and they got through the honorable mentions, they didn't say my name. And I was like, okay, well, maybe I'm going to be, you know, have a name, have a, have a number attached, you know, be ranked, which is awesome. Um, so they were saying like 20, 19, 18. I still don't heard my name by the time they got to like 16. And I was like, oh, well, I guess we're doing it next year. And once they got to 15 and they didn't send my name, I was like, all right, well, you know, we, we tried, uh, you know, it didn't work out. I, you know, I'll try again next year and, you know, maybe, maybe something better. And I kind of, you know, tuned out for a moment, you know, when they were selling 13, 12, 11, and then 10 comes around and I hear Elon and my name. And I, I really, I just went to shock. I'm pretty sure like my mind just went blank. I was like, I was shaking for at least two hours after the fact. Cause I was like, I can't believe this just happened. Um, you know, for the highest ranked freshman ever is an unbelievable accomplishment. Um, not something that I thought would have happened if you had, you know, asked me a year ago um, that, that I would have been 10th in the country. I would have been like, you're absolutely nuts. Um, but you know, to get that recognition and, and to, you know, have people in the business, cause the panel of judges are people who are, you know, respected in this business who really do it professionally and do an unbelievable job to have people like that sort of say, yeah, we think you're 10th out of the hundreds and hundreds of people who send in applicants as a freshman is absolutely insane. You know, I, I can't thank them enough for the recognition and it's just so amazing to get that because I never saw it coming you know I was like you know honorable mention great number amazing I was like that'd be unbelievable I was like if I got top 10 I didn't even actually think about it I was like if I got top 10 this be absolutely insane you know to get that high and then it happened and I was unbelievably floored you know it's it's an unbelievable accomplishment you know I'm just so grateful to uh to be ranked in 10th, you know, it's, uh, it's just, it's nuts. It's crazy. I, I still can't <laughs> believe it half the time. And so what are the goals then going forward? Because obviously you set the bar so high for yourself as a freshman and obviously, you know, it can depend on who's judging and things like that, whether you go up on that, you know, ranking up on that list, whether you drop down a little bit, but just sort of what are your goals for yourself as a broadcaster, you know, to get better? How do you sort of measure if you are getting better? 
Because again, to accomplish so much by the time, you know, you're through freshman year, you know, some people don't even get to that point by their time, you know, they finish college by the time, you know, they're two or three years out of college. But for you to kind of be at the point where you're at now, how do you look at that and say, okay, this is awesome where I am so far, but I still know that I want to take my game from here to here. And then how do you actually get there and achieve that? Well, there are certain parts of my call that I know I need to get better on. And there are certain things that I've been working on throughout this year. And, you know, once baseball starts back up, I have a laundry list of items that I've got to check off on, you know, what to get better at, improve on this and that and whatnot. Same thing with basketball as well. You know, I think any college broadcaster has the goal of winning the Jim Nance Award. I think, you know, if you ask most people to do this, you know, in college, they will say that that is their goal. And, you know, that that definitely is a goal of mine. You know, to get that recognition would be unbelievable. You know, even to just be in the All-American class, which is the top five finishers, um, would be unbelievable. Um, you know, those are definitely goals of mine, but to get there, you know, there are steps along the way that I know I need to have to take. Um, and I know I need to, to tick off in order to get there um, and to, to eventually get a job doing this professionally as a career out of college. Um, so, you know, it's more of ticking off those boxes the next couple of years and working on it, getting feedback, working off of that feedback um, and just getting better with each and every rep. I think that's the biggest thing and the biggest goal of mine over the next, you know, two and a half years is getting to that level where I can walk out of college and I can have a career in this business. I think that's one of the biggest things. Mm -hmm. And Javik, again, just something that's been so great, I'm sure for you and your career is getting, you know, all this experience now in college, but also you had so much experience already coming in. So I want to touch upon it now. So Javik's from Norton, Mass. He started the Lancer Sports Network when he was in high school you know, broadcasting games. Yeah, so you're actually off by your I started in eighth grade. Um, I was oh, um, my apologies. 13. Yeah, I was 13 years old. I was 13 years old. It was um, I was, I was a crazy. Well, I still am nuts, but I was I was I was nuts back then too. Um, with the fact that I went up to one of I went to my principal in middle school and said, "Hey, I have an idea to start a sports network to do all to be a middle school basketball team." I was like, I have an idea to start a sports network and do all these different basketball, you know, do every single home basketball game. Uh, would you be in? And he kind of looked at me and was like, uh, yeah, you're crazy, but yeah. <laughs> so, so after that, you know, I started doing uh, middle school basketball, did some high school hockey as well, um, and then transitioned it into high school. Um, and I ran the sports network entirely. You know, I was the one broadcasting every single game, doing play-by-play, um, editing it, producing it, directing it. Um, cause everything was pre-recorded. So after, you know, I, I'd compile it all together. I made all the graphics. Um, I, I did instant replay at one point just off of my computer. Like I just like take the highlight and then like slow it down and then put it over like another part of the clip to like, you know, make it look like we had live instant replay. No, I was just playing around with iMovie after the fact. Um, you know, I did all that sort of stuff, which was so, so cool to do. I'm going to open so many opportunities. You know, my freshman year of high school, which was, like six years ago at this point um I got to call you know Norton High School winning the state championship for soccer um which was incredibly cool um and you know all the opportunities that I did I played baseball so I didn't get to broadcast baseball um in high school um you know at least not not for Norton High School um but I did everything in the fall and winter imaginable um from soccer to football to hockey to basketball um and then the spring with softball when I wasn't playing baseball um so you know to do all of that was so cool and you know the people in Norton High School were and the coaches as well were absolutely amazing and giving me all sorts of access and basically anything I wanted they they were glad to give it which is Mm -hmm. 
absolutely unbelievable. I'm, you know, so thankful for, for the opportunities they'd given me. And, you know, I ended up doing 135 games in high school over five years, um, which is a lot. And it was a lot of fun. And it really, you know, brought me to a level where, you know, my freshman year of college, I had been someone who had been doing this for five, six years at this point. Um, mm -hmm. So it helped sort of build that groundwork. Um, that's really afforded me the opportunity to build off of it in a really, really unique way to sort of find my style with having the basics not covered per se, but almost, you know, the basics were there. I, I sort of knew how a broadcast ran, how, you know, I was supposed to be on air, you know, certain tonal things, certain ways to call a game. Um, and it was just building off of that. When, you know, I can, you know, being able to do that, you can build off it in very cool ways and sort of help find your own style, which I think is one of the biggest things about it. Mm -hmm. So two questions off of that. What prompted you to do this? Obviously you have a passion for broadcasting. So obviously, you know, that's where it came from, but just what prompted you to do this as an eighth grader? And my second question is, have you ever gone back and listened to your first broadcast if you have it available somewhere or one of your first broadcasts, if not? Sadly, it's available. Um, sadly, <laughs> it is on the internet. It's quite terrible. Um, I am 13. I, my voice is about four octaves higher. Um, and I have no idea what I'm doing. It's, it's hilarious. You know, look before at you it, had the D1 pipes. Apparently, yeah, it was before, it was before the D1 pipes, as you say. Um, but yeah, no, looking back at it now, oh boy, uh, it's rough. It's rough. <laughs> it's very rough. Um, I don't think they have the very, very first ones available. I think the, like, the last broadcast I did in eighth grade is available. And nice. oh, it's rough. It is, it is unbelievably rough. Um, but you know, it, it's fun to look back. I haven't actually looked back at it in probably six or eight months at this point, but it, it's so funny to look back at, just see the amount of growth of, well, my voice also dropped a couple of octaves that helped, um, you know, hit, hitting puberty helped a lot. Um, <laughs> but you know, um, it, it's always fun to go back and listen. Um, and your first question, um, you know, what prompted me to start it is I've always loved broadcasting. I was, you know, most people when they're little, they want to play major league baseball. I was one of them until I realized about, you know, the age of 10, I wouldn't be being the starting catcher for the Yankees uh, in my lifetime. So, you know, in, unless everyone got hurt, catcher got hurt on earth and they needed like one backup replacement, I'd be that guy. You know, <laughs> last, last of everyone on earth, I'd be like 7 billion out of 7 billion. Um, but no, it was doing that, um, you know, sort of gave me a love because I'd always listen to Yankees games when I was little, you know, my parents would read me a bedtime story and then I'd listen to the Yankees and end up falling asleep um, on the radio. You know, that was something I always grew up doing and that sort of just helped me fall in love with it. You know, I loved everything John Sterling did on air. You know, I thought it, he had the coolest job in the world. He got to paint a picture, sit in the booth at Yankee Stadium, get paid to talk about Yankee games and get to basically, you know, almost be a part of the team. That's the, one of the coolest things I thought when I was little is, you know, you get to do this and you're basically, you know, the voice of a team, which is the coolest thing ever. And, you know, from being that, you know, from that sort of love when I was little, it's never gone away. When I was in eighth grade, we had a little mixer board, some cameras, and I was like, yeah, you know what, we're going to start. We're, we're just going to in a headset. I was like, you know what, we're going to just start a sports network. It's really how it came up. I was like, you know, we have these things. That. Let's do it. And from there, it hasn't stopped. It's uh, been now almost seven, seven plus years since I did that. Um, and I had done, you know, a couple of games for community television when I was 12. 
um, back in sixth and seventh, you know, sixth grade and seventh grade as well. Um, but it really started with, with eighth grade to, to doing, you know, all of that. And now at 19, I, I'm here and, you know, thankful that um, the people of Norton Middle School and Norton High School let me be this crazy kid who had this crazy idea of covering 25, 30 games a year and let him do it. There you go. Yeah, you're crazy for sure. Just listening to all of that and hearing you being like, yeah, I announced middle school basketball while you were a middle schooler. I just think yeah. it's the funniest thing. But it just shows your dedication and your commitment to this. And obviously, you know, you've listened to this podcast before. For those who might be listening for the first time, it's called For the Love of Sports. So obviously, every single time I ask someone where their love for sports came from and kind of you just, you know, you took the question right out of my mouth, just going into it right there. And for you, it's like you were saying, it's not even for the love of sports, it's for the love of broadcasting. And I think that really shows in all of your work, in all of your broadcasting. So it's, again, a kudos to you and everything that you've done so far. Now, something you just mentioned there, as well as being able to, you know, get on and doing a couple um, games for community TV, you know, local access thing. And I know one, you know, local access channel that is near and dear to your heart is uh, WCTV down in Wareham, Wareham Community Television. Um, it's where, you know, kind of where we met down there on the Cape League when you're doing some of the camera work. The Gateman games are also simulcast on TV as well for the local access in Wareham, as well as online um, for the stream on the YouTube live video as well. So WCTV, certainly near and dear to your heart. That transition wasn't as good because I had to laugh at you a little bit beforehand. So kind of ruined it a little bit, but the point still remains. So Javik, just the last topic that I want to touch upon um, is sort of just the Cape League. How'd you end up working down there? Norton's pretty close to where I am, but just how did that come about? Because again, when we met, so this was 2018, we're all in college. So some of us are going into our senior year. Some of us are going into our junior year. Maybe someone was sophomore year and you're like, I'm a 16-year-old junior in high school, and we're like, what? I, I, so just, I was going how did my, that happen? I was going into my senior year, just having my senior year of high school. Okay, so you there you talk go. talk about craziness. I cannot thank Andrew Lang and the Gateman front office for being crazy enough to hire a 16-year-old to be a cameraman and fill-in broadcaster. I also can't thank Enrique to Moore and Cam Stewart enough to let a 16-year-old, you know, say, uh, could you please go to the bathroom so I could call an inning and letting me call an <laughs> inning? It's absolutely nuts. Um, you know, I can't thank the Gateman organization enough. That really helped me, you know, fall in love with it to another level. I'd already loved doing it, but I'd never done a full season of baseball before. And, you know, that year with you on the Gateman um, – that was the year of really just getting my feet wet, of doing camera work, doing, you know, doing camera work, doing producing, doing graphics, doing fill-in broadcasting. It was, you know, so much fun to just be at the ballpark every night. Um, and then in 2019, um, with the other broadcasting, Gabe Genovese, Jonah Carp, Addison Van Patten, Ryan LeMay, I was the producer, then a pregame show host and, and all these sort of things. And I was going into my freshman year of college and our broadcasters were going into their junior and senior year of college. Um, so just to, to be afforded that opportunity in the Cape league where, you know, as good as the players are on the field, the broadcasters are just as good. You know, I would listen to certain games. There were certain broadcasters that I would listen to their games, you know, in the booth and just be like, you guys are absolutely unbelievable. Um, so to be afforded that opportunity and not even be in college is absolutely unbelievable and I can't thank that organization enough you know to, to allow a kid at the age of 16 17 to be in the booth every single night to be at games to be watching baseball being with the team it's it's unbelievable and you know 
that's really what made me, you know, go, okay, this is, you know, I had always known I wanted to do it for a living, but that's really the point. And those are the summers where I went, okay, there's nothing else I'll be doing in my life other than broadcasting for a living, because, you know, that really helps cement that love for, for wanting to broadcast baseball. And, you know, mm-hmm. that, that helps cement that love. And, and it's been the same thing in Elon with basketball. Um, cementing that love, being around the team and whatnot. And, you know, those summers on the Cape when you're sitting in hyannis at 1030 in the morning waiting for a one o'clock game against a team that's, you know, the Gateman team that's great and a hyannis team that's the, one of the worst historically in Cape League history. And you're like, you know, you're getting to sit at the ballpark and you're looking out on the field and the field's beautiful. It's a beautiful day. And then the teams come and you're like, oh, yeah, half these guys are going to be drafted and we'll see probably three or four of the bigs. And here I am at 18 years old, just hanging out, getting ready to do a game for a broadcast. I mean, it's so much fun, so unbelievable. And, you know, I can't thank that organization enough for really helping me become, you know, a launching pad for, for, for baseball in my career. You know, the opportunities have been unbelievable. The people I've met are fantastic. The players I've seen and watched and gotten an opportunity to speak with is absolutely incredible. And, you know, those are memories that you won't ever forget. I think that's a big thing about being in the Cape League. And I think anyone who works in the Cape League, you can say that as well. The memories you make, whether it's on the broadcast, off camera, just hanging out, you'll never forget them. And, and, you know, they're absolutely unbelievable. That's for sure. And Javik, I think one thing that always kind of sticks out to me, and I'm sure I've probably made this joke to you before, but in terms of like everyone, you know, applying for jobs and things like that, it's all the employers and all their like entry level jobs. It's like five to six years of experience. And you see the memes where it's like, you need an entry level job with like 10 plus years of experience. And you see like the little kids, like with like their minor hat on and stuff, like in like the cave and stuff. That's basically what I picture you at is like the person who's applying for the entry level job as having actually having the 10 years, whatever of experience they need to go out there and get it. You know, it's just called wanting to do things and, and, thankfully having avenues to do it and having people in being crazy enough to say, all right, let's do it and do it. Like, you know, for this year, for, for Elon women's basketball, um, I was named sports director back in September, August. And uh, one of the big things, you know, I've always wanted to do is, you know, institute a full pregame postgame show and coaches interviews and everything. Cause we hadn't had that before. And our general manager, I called her one afternoon. I had like three index cards worth of stuff of like what I wanted to do, how I wanted to do it, like the full pregame outline, the full postgame outline, the full halftime show outline, you know, all this sort of stuff. And, you know, it's just letting people, you know, letting you do things that, that you kind of, you know, you know, see that you want to do, you know, it happened at the Gateman as well, where, you know, that 2019 season, we were in a 30 minute pregame show, like a full on 30 minute pregame show, four different segments, highlights, interviews, whole nine yards. We did all of that. Um, so, you know, to be afforded those opportunities and with WSOE, you know, I, I was able to put in a broadcast structure that mirrors anything, you know, what I want to do is mirror anything that we're for IMG college does. Um, and, you know, for our general manager to A, trust a sophomore in college as sports director and B, go, yeah, I love that idea. Run with it. You know, to do stuff like that is absolutely amazing. And the Gateman as well, you know, it, it just affords so many opportunities. And, you know, I wouldn't be here without an immense amount of help on the back end. And, you know, pe- you know people were in this business giving me feedback and tips and ways to get better. And, you know, the constant dialogue that comes with being a broadcaster and always wanting to get better. Um, you know, it's just crazy. It's just nuts. Um, and you know, one of the big things, you know, is that one of the things with broadcasters is that it's really a tight knit community. 
um, where you're all together, you're, you're all helping each other out, you're all wanting each other to succeed, um, which is one of the big things. And I think those are really the, the moments and the people that help me, have helped me grow the most. Um, you know, obviously doing the games and the reps helps, but doing the games and reps with a purpose is the bigger thing. And, and that's the most important thing that I think I've been afforded the opportunity of over the past seven years, which, you know, without the Gateman saying, yeah, feel free to come down to the ballpark and do this, or the North High School, North Middle School saying, go for it, or Elon saying, you can do all these games as a freshman, or the Rockers saying, yeah, we'd love to have you on. You know, it's all these opportunities that you never would have thought of in a million years. And, you know, I owe a thanks to all of those organizations, from Andrew Lang to Christian Heimel and Kendrick Fruits, the Rockers, to everyone at Elon from, you know, the faculty to the directors to anyone, you know, their broadcasters, all of them, you know, the people at Norton High School as well. It is the network behind is been so, so crazy and so amazing. I'm just so thankful to be, to be afforded the opportunities um, that have come out of it. And, you know, I'm doing the best job on earth. And I don't think, you know, that's, uh, that, that's, you know, I, I say that with 100% certainty. You know, it's what I want to do for the rest of my life. And, you know, it's one of the biggest and best things um, that, you know, I've, I've been able to do. And, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun. And, yeah, I just talk about sports for a living. You know, nothing, nothing is quite better than that. All right. And so Javik's saying all his thankies and stuff. So it's going to be – that means it's time to wrap up soon. But before we do that, Javik, I want to hit you with some quick hitters. Go for it. Just, you know, you know some personal favorites for you. Um, so obviously we know your favorite sport is baseball. What is your favorite game that you've ever like gone to and witnessed as a fan? So the, my favorite game I've ever gone to witness was game three of the ALDS. It was 2017. It was the, the gear that the Yankees went down two nothing against the Indians. I was in Yankee stadium, the second to last row of like Yankee stadium. I was sitting there and one probably the most fun I've ever had a baseball game because that was the game when Greg Bird it was Carlos Carrasco against Monsieur Tanaka Carrasco in like seven innings with zero zero and I think the bottom of the seventh and Greg Bird who is awful now at the time he wasn't really that great either but we all you know every Yankee fan loved him because of this one home run um mm -hmm. hits a home run into right field and I have never been in a sports stadium that has shake that is just shook as much as Yankee Stadium did. It literally felt like an earthquake was happening. It was nuts. Everyone was jumping up and down, hugging. That has to be far and away the best sporting game I've ever attended um, in, in my life. And now what's your favorite game that you've ever called as a broadcaster? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, was it that Norton Soccer Championship? Or is there something else that sticks out to you? See, that's a tough one because there are some great moments. Like my first game with the Paw Sox, doing that one inning was a thrill. And then I called back later in the season to do the Yankees affiliate, which are the Rail Riders against the Pawtucket Red Sox, who are now the Woo Sox, the Worcester Red Sox. Um, they're moving to the Polar Park this year. Um, you know, to do that game was nuts because that was Gary Sanchez's last game in Pawtucket before he got called up to the Yankees. So to do that was incredibly cool as well. Um, you know, there are a lot of moments that, that kind of stick out to the top. Um, you know, some stuff with the Gateman was unbelievable. I'm getting to call a 420-foot Spencer Torkelson home run was nuts, um, especially looking back on it now and how good he was and how awful my call was. Um, that makes <laughs> it even funnier. Um, you know, now up there's the Norton Soccer Championship. You know, that was my first year in high school. That was my first fall season, and this team was so much fun. You know, they were, they were absolutely amazing. Um, the coaches and the players really loved all the broadcasts and stuff, um, which made it 
super cool um, and, and super awesome to see. So a couple more questions and you kind of let, lead, led me into this next one perfectly. So you mentioned how you blew that Torkelson call apparently. So what is the worst call that you've made as a broadcaster? Does anything stick out to you? Is it that Torkelson one? Is there something where you're like, you go back and listen, you're like, oh my gosh, like I just butchered this. This was terrible. Um, is there something that sticks out to you where you're just like, Javik, what the hell were you doing? Well, the Torkelson one, was, it wasn't that it was bad. It was just... Looking at it now, I was like, there's a lot to be desired on that one, buddy. Yeah. Um, worst call ever. Oh, okay. Worst call ever. My first ever broadcast. Baseball, I was 12. <laughs> this is the worst call of all time. I was 12 years old. I was 12 years old. It was the semifinals of, or it was the finals of Norton, like Norton Youth Baseball, 12U, Rec Baseball. It was the Marlins and the Dodgers. Some kid makes the makes a diving catch this is my first broadcast effort and i go oh what a sports center catch done or not done or not but I'm 12, <laughs> and my voice is like 12 octaves too high the worst call that i am so thankful it is no longer on the internet anymore it is horrendously bad like i i look i listen back to it and i'm just like oh you really didn't yeah you actually oh god you actually said that this is bad um then there are a couple ones throughout high school as well you know where you're just like Oh, Lord. You know, there are times some, sometimes where, you know, you get a little too high and you'll start, like, screaming because, you know, mm-hmm. you, when you're young and first getting into it, you know, you got to learn how to control your voice. Um, and it's sort of that time. And you're like, oh, but the da 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 when I'm 12, that was – that was um, – that was a low moment. <laughs> that, was, that, was, hey, that was a low moment. Hey, live and learn, though. And especially exactly, for you, exactly. if you're doing that all at 12 years old, you're getting those mistakes out early when people can't exactly, hear it versus exactly. now. So you should be thankful for that one. Exactly. All right, Javik, just, just a couple more for you. So last two. So my next question is, what is the favorite, your favorite team that you've ever been around that you've covered? Was it one of those Gateman teams? Was it a team in high school? Was it a specific team over at Elon? If you had to pick one team, I know I'm putting you on the spot here. Pick your favorite. What is it? Favorite team that you've ever covered? Well, so the big thing is, is that, you know, being in college, you're, you're not a voice of a team. You know, you're, you're not around the team day in and day out. And I think the first team I was ever around day in and day out was the 2019 Gateman. And just to be around that team day in and day out was so much fun. You had so many different characters. You had um, Cam Guangarena, who had maybe the coolest. He went to Cal State Fullerton. So he had like the Cal State Fullerton catcher's gear on, which just made him look like just awesome all the time. It looked so Mm -hmm. sick. Um, That was a big thing. You know, you had Jacob Teeter on that team. It was just so much fun to be around. Um, Just such a nice, genuine guy. You know, the pitchers in the bullpen, they had tiki torches at one point. So anytime anyone would come out of the pen, like two pitchers would stand like with tiki torches holding them. And they would like come out of the gate survivor style, which was hilarious. And, you know, because that was the first team I was ever around day in and day out, you know, being COVID and whatnot. I'm still not really around a team day in and day out anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, so for that being the first team I was around and the amount of fun that team had and, you know, being with that team, the coaching staff was just so cool to, to be with them on a daily basis. You know, I'm sure there's going to be, you know, some teams in around that are absolutely great in the future. And, you know, I'm really excited to be that, especially um, in the coming years, you know, baseball teams, basketball teams, whatnot. But, you know, that first team, that, that'll, that'll always stand out because it was just a team and a broadcast team that really set to me as one of their own. You guys did as well um, back in 2018, mm-hmm. which – was so cool and and you know the team in 2019 was just so fun to be around and so special and you know it's some of those guys that you'll still keep tabs on throughout their college season see how they're doing and stuff which makes it a lot of fun so Javik, you were mentioning how when you showed up for the 2019 season all those broadcasters were going into like their junior and senior years correct yes 
All right, but so here's the thing. They're going to their junior and senior years. You're going into your freshman year of college. All right, it might be a little intimidating, but you're the only one who's showing up as a Cape League champion. That, that is a good point. I will say, I will say, nothing will beat that playoff run. That playoff run, just following it, because I only did home games. So I did the first mm-hmm. two games of the, the first game of the first series against Bourne. Second, first, you know, because they only they swept every single series, two nothing. That's right, they did. So it was a game against Bourne, game against Malmouth, game against Chatham. That was it. So, you know, to follow that, that was unbelievable. I've never seen a team get so hot in my life. That team literally, because they were obviously far and away the best team in the Cape, but they had lost, you know, some big guys. Um, Andrew Vaughn was unbelievable, and then he just left. Um, you know, they had a couple guys leave for Team USA, but the core of that team was still there. And you and Austin Shenton, who will forever be one of my favorite Gateman players of all time. Um, you know, I'm still keeping tabs on him today because, you know, he's in the Mariners farm series with a couple of Elon guys, George Kirby being one of them. Um, so the big thing with that is, you know, to, to keep tabs with these guys, but that playoff team, that was, I mean, I still can't believe they went six and zero. They win game two against Fallon. They put up like 17 runs and then they get fogged out game two and Chatham have to restart the you know, play. What was it? The sixth inning onward the next day at like two o'clock. And if not, yep. they play back in Wareham at, like, what was it? Was it the next day or, like, later that night or something crazy? Later that night. It was later, later that, that night because that was the year that, you know, same thing with 2019. There were so many rainouts. That was so the last rainouts. possible was day. The last, last day of the season, yeah. yeah. It was the last and day before everyone had to go back to college. And before all the college coaches went up in arms over their players still playing on the game. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that team was so hot and so good. It was – there was no way they were losing. And, like, I wanted more games. So I was like, well, let's have a game. Like, I was, you know, wanting them to win, obviously. But I was like, let's have a game through. Let's go back, you know, home game. This would be fantastic. No, they weren't losing. This was unbelievable. You know, they beat Torkelson when he was a freshman after he was fresh off of either tying or breaking Barry Bonds' freshman home run record at ASU. Yeah, he's, he set the home run record. And who strikes him out but Division Two zone? Zach Hart from Franklin Pierce. And Zach Hart, what a story about what a story Zach Hart was that year. That man came out of nowhere from Franklin Pierce and was all of a sudden this team's one of this team's best pitchers. It was unbelievable. And then in 2019, you had Ian Bedell, who literally every time this man got the ball was six shutout innings. Like he had a point, I think it was like five nine ERA. I'm pretty mad I missed his summer. I I would have really liked to have seen that. Darren Baker at second, but the best thing about that summer as well was Nick Gonzalez. Even though he didn't even yeah. play for the game, and every time he played against any team, it was nuts. I know. And, you know, the amount of scouts who were up in arms, and it was a valid concern that he was playing in the WAC in New Mexico State where their elevation's like three or 4,000 feet, and they're playing mm-hmm. with a limited bat. So that's why he might have put up all the records and numbers that he did. But then he comes into the year, and it's like, no. Hits like 350 on the Cape, put up, I think it was like three or four wins above replacement in – you know, 50 games, 40, 50 games. It was unbelievable to see, you know, the players that you see in the Cape League is just absolutely nuts. And it was so crazy, but nothing will ever beat Austin Shanton's run in the 2018 playoffs. I've never seen a man be so hot in his life. And he didn't win, he didn't win league MVP, but he won playoff MVP and it was quite deserving. Yeah. He got the one that mattered. Exactly. Well, Javik, that, that's all I got for you. So thanks so much for coming on. I mean, I know we could talk about baseball, like just for hours and hours on end. So we won't subject the people to that, but at some point we'll have you on again. I know this time we kind of focused a little bit more on um, sports broadcasting, your style and everything like that. And I think that's the problem with having some of you guys on where you guys just have so much that you can talk about. There's so many different avenues to take an interview. Um, so 
I think this one, I think we did a really great job. It was great to hear sort of your story and everything that you've done so far in your career, your style and stuff, sports broadcasting wise, but certainly like to have you on again sometime. Maybe once baseball season rolls around, we'll talk about how uh, those Red Sox are giving those Yankees a surprise. How's that sound? That sounds perfect. You know, that's the thing when you have people on this podcast who talk for a living. We, we, we're usually the ones doing the interviews. We can steer anything for hours on end to begin with. So, you know, being yeah, on the was, side of the interview is always fun. Yeah, I was going to ask you, how'd that go for you? You're a little bit rusty. I know for me, I was a little bit rusty. This was the first time recording in a little bit. But how does it feel to be on the other side of it? This is the first time I've been on. This is only like the second time I've ever been on the other side of an interview. I'm usually the one giving it. So, you know, it's always fun. I always love talking broadcasting and, you know, always love talking with you, you know, since, since our days back in the Spillane Field press boxes of, uh, of 2018, watching that team uh, put together one heck of a season. That was one heck of a run. That's for sure. Well, Javik, again, thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. And we'll talk to you again real soon. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on.